Infernal Symphonies Pestilence Podcast, the only podcast about the UK's most prolific metal band. Hello there guys and welcome back to the Infernal Symphony Pestilence Podcast with me, Demonic Bishop. Yes, thank you very much guys once again for joining me today. This is the first episode of May 2020 and uh, it is an incredibly special day today guys because this is our 10th episode. Woo! Let's get all the uh, birthday banners out there. So, yes, yeah, so thank you very much for joining us, guys. We have an absolutely jam-packed, fantastic show lined up in store for you today. So, uh, yeah, if you uh, haven't caught up with the last couple of episodes, be sure to check those out at anchor.fm forward slash Infernal Symphony. You can also send us your voice messages in there as well, and we'll go over those, assuming we get some good ones, either next episode in two weeks or further on down the line. But uh, it's been an absolutely remarkable past couple of months, guys. Thank you ever so much for all of your correspondence and, uh, you know, good response to the new albums that we've had over the last couple of months. I have got something pretty uh, interesting and special in store for you today, guys, because we will be going over next month's fantastic brand new full-length album, which I have yet to reveal, but we'll be going over the, uh, the, um, the actual title of the album, the specifics of it, and a few select songs played from it as well uh, later on in the show. But before we do that, we're also going to be covering the one-year anniversary of our double album, Dungeon Synth album, that came out this time last year, which was, of course was Faust. So I'll be playing you a couple of select songs from that as well, and giving you a bit of background as to why I created the album and how I did it. So, that's quite a number of things to be going on with to start with. Uh, plenty more um, things will be covered as well, so uh, hold on to your hats, guys. Get ready for a fantastic episode, and... Uh, you know, just uh, sit tight for a minute while we go through this quick little sponsorship and then we'll get straight started off into the bulk of the show. Okay then guys, so in lieu of an official sponsor, which we somehow are still waiting for Anchor to move the sponsorships from America only to uh, the rest of the world, including where I am, the UK, instead this section is going to be filled with a quick little uh, promo for my own... Uh, business ventures so in other words this is a little bit of a promo for infernal symphonies Bandcamp, plus the heathens club and uh anything else that we've got coming up as well so head to infernal symphony uk.bandcamp.com that is where you'll find all of our um released um albums singles and eps all of our whole discographies on there so you can listen to it all for free you can download most of it for a measly sum of two pound fifty or slightly higher for longer albums and there are occasionally uh you know the odd uh, free album here or there or pay what you like album so that includes the debut that i created so many many moons ago unholy persecution and it's going to include an ep coming up in a couple of months as well um but further to that you can head to the heathens club section of the site as well which allows you to subscribe to the infernal symphony fan club the heathens club which allows you to not only receive a ton of loads of different albums and eps that have already come out it'll also sign you up to instantly receive any of the new ones that come out in the future um including all the new dungeon synth stuff that's coming up next year um further to that it also gives you 20 percent off of all of our merchandise it allows you to get exclusive updates and polls and videos and photos from the infernal symphony fan club which also allows you to not only message me demonic bishop directly it also allows you to message other fellow infernal symphony fans face to face as well so there's tons of benefits guys if you're not signed up to it already you really should do so head to infernalsymphonyuk.pancamp.com 
head to the Heathens Club, £3 a month, and all of this could be yours. Ah, so there we have it, guys. Uh, so uh, just just first off, I'd just like to say, uh, please bear with me this uh, this episode, I'm afraid, because unfortunately I have managed to somehow get a summer cold. Yes, uh, we've all listened to uh, or watched the Death Clock episode about this, and it's uh, pretty uh, unfortunate, really. I am feeling a bit bunged up, so apologies for that. But I decided I wanted to do the episode anyway, because I didn't want to let uh, my loyal fans down. And, uh, you know, you guys know how much I enjoy doing this anyway, so I'll be here, rain or shine, so. But yeah, anyway, yeah, so what was I going to talk about today? Well, I just need to get something off my chest to start with. Uh, for those of you that um, started watching the uh, Infernal Symphony YouTube channel, Infernal Symphony TV, uh, apologies for the lack of con- content on there lately. Um, basically, I had a number of videos planned for it, and uh, you know, I'm not going to go into too much depth here because I don't want to bore you all to tears. But essentially, I had a few very, very long-winded uh, sort of. Uh, they were basically ranking videos lined up. Essentially, uh, I was going to do a video ranking the discography of Stratovarius, and also a uh, video ranking the discography of of Tool as well, because they're two of my main influences, two of my most favourite bands. Um, so I thought it'd be really interesting to do videos on them. And basically, to cut a long story short, with me still no longer having a uh, computer to work with, I've basically been doing all of my current YouTube videos, um, either from my PS4 or onto my phone. And essentially what happened was, the videos I was making were essentially a little bit too ambitious, and uh, basically the the length of the video caused the, uh, the actual uh, film editing software on my phone to, uh, I didn't realise this at the time, but basically as it was uh, sort of saving and compiling the, the footage into the finished video, this is after editing, after shooting, after everything like that, uh, basically the, the, the file saved, um, but it was actually saved in a corrupted way, and I didn't really realise this until the last minute, my phone was not allowing me to do anything, so I had to delete some of the uh, the original raw footage uh, to be able to actually uh, post the video to YouTube, and it was only after the video had been saved and uh, I attempted load, uploading it to YouTube that it didn't actually work out if it, you know basically the, the the video file was corrupted so uh, you know given the fact that I had to delete the the raw footage to create it in the first place it basically resulted in two days worth of editing and shooting uh, being wasted so apologies for that guys it is going to be a while until I get the strength to go back to YouTube So yes, it is the start of May and we have some fantastic stuff that we're going to be talking about today. So I just wanted to give you the skinny on the new album that will be coming out next month. So those of you who are regular listeners to this podcast will probably have heard of me uh, talking about this before. Um, But basically, it's something I've had lined up for a good long while now. Um, And uh, I really wanted to do something different with this album. Um, I, I noticed that I've been falling into a little bit of a pattern with the past couple of releases. Um, I did go some way, you know, somewhat to kind of rectifying that with the last one, which of course was uh, was um, April's Libraries of the Abyss. But for this next new full length, uh, you know, in the two months that have passed, I've basically rejigged my approach and sort of reworked some of the songs. And uh, it's ended up with an end result that I'm extremely, supremely happy with. Uh, so... Uh, this is the big reveal, guys, so, uh, you know, buckle your seatbelts because we're about to give you all the details of the brand new album that's coming out in the next couple of weeks. Okay, so, the new album from Infernal Symphony coming out in June 2020 is called 
Laceration Coronation, and it is a Dungeon Synth album that has got 11 fantastic tracks on there, all detailing the uh, basically the coronation of the false satanic prophet, uh, which is a, a quite a neat little fantasy uh, sort of concoction I've come up with. I think it really decently describes um, some of the feelings I've been feeling over the past couple of months. Um, you know, with responsibility and the, the dangers of it and, uh, you know, the fact that sometimes you just can't trust the people you think you might be able to trust. So, uh, all in all, it's a very, very fantastic album musically. I've definitely tried some different approaches and some, um, you know, different unique sounds for the actual instruments on it. Um, overall, the album seems to flow a hell of a lot better than Libraries of the Abyss and some of my other previous works. And, uh, you know, with each new release... I think you guys are probably accustomed to this by now, but uh, it's quite plain to the ear. It's very, very easy to see that uh, every time I make another one of these albums, the production quality and the overall flow and uh, just general uh, consistency of the album improves uh, tenfold each time. So uh, I'm definitely excited for you guys to check it out. I'm actually going to be playing a few of those songs very, very shortly. But first off, I want to get out of the way the question of the week. And uh, yeah... Hopefully you guys are going to be really excited for this because I am extremely, supremely excited to be showing you this music. So hold your horses, guys. Listen to the question of the week and I will be back in a mo. So here we have it then, guys. This week's question of the week is a bit of a weird one because it's something I haven't really attempted before. But hopefully you guys are going to find this a bit of an interesting, not necessarily an interesting question, but certainly towards the end of the episode, I think you'll find that this was a very interesting answer. So uh, without further ado, this week's question of the week is, when Infernal Symphony was first created, how many band members were there? And it's a bit of a weird question, to be honest, because, as you know, this is a one-man band. However, this is relating to the point uh, two or three years ago when I first decided to uh, basically start up Infernal Symphony uh, for real after I'd uh, left Sickened a few weeks prior. And uh, before that happened, before this actually became a one-man band, my original intention for it was for it to be a fully fleshed-out, proper band. Uh, and I basically inv invited some friends around to try and uh, come up with the concept of the band itself and try and arrange some band practices. So I'm going to ask you now, how many people did I originally envision to have as part of this band? So uh, the question again, guys, how many members were originally to be part of Infernal Symphony before it became a one-man band? All right, think about that, guys. I'll be back with the answer to that in around about an hour's time. So uh, until then, you've got plenty of fun stuff to look forward to that we're going to be talking about. I've already mentioned Laceration Coronation, a supremely amazing album I'm fantastically excited to show you music from, which I'll be doing in a few short minutes. Plus, we'll have some of the music from Faust, uh, which came out uh, almost a year to the day uh, this month. And also, another thing that I want to talk about this month, a good another little nugget of uh, topical wisdom for you, is I'm going to be divulging and going into some of the behind-the-scenes workings of one of my old bands, Incinery. And the reason I want to do this is because it's eight years now since I left the band or was forcibly ejected from the band. And uh, basically, there's a few little hints and secrets and surprises of that and some of the background around uh, inner workings of it that I really wanted to get into, which uh, I haven't really ever been able to sort of demonstrate or talk to uh, anyone about before. Um, so, you know, we're going to be uncovering some secrets there, guys, a bit of juicy drama for you. So definitely stay posted for that. Um, it's going to be very, very interesting and scandalous. So make sure you check out that. 
Okay then, guys, so it, I think it's about time to address the elephant in the room, and that elephant is, of course, called Incinery. Yes, for those that aren't aware, before Infernal Symphony came into existence, I've been a part of a ton of different bands. I seem to mention this fact every single episode we do, but there's one band in particular I want to focus on this time around this month, and it is quite possibly the biggest band I was ever a part of. Yes, it is, in fact, a band from Nottingham called Incinery. Uh, they were a thrash band from Nottingham, uh, most of their members were from Nottingham, I have mentioned them on the podcast numerous times in the past, but this is the first time I've basically deep dived and divulged some of the most innermost workings of them, and uh, basically what my sort of reaction to getting le- uh, fired from the band was, um, basically what happened um, from start to finish, and uh, some of the sort of inner workings of both the band itself and of the booking practices of Bloodstock Festival as well. Now, before um, I go any further, I do want to preface this by essentially saying I don't mean anybody any ill will by talking about this. It's not, uh, you know, a opportunity for me to start, uh, you know, disparaging people or, uh, you know, inciting sort of inflammatory uh, remarks. I'm not here to, to kind of, you know, stir the shit pot or generate any ill will. I'm basically just here to, to finally tell my side of the story about how all of this went down. And, uh, you know, a lot of people go to Bloodstock Festival, a lot of people enjoy the festival, and for me personally, it is one of my favourite UK music festivals, of, uh, you know, to, to ever exist. So I'm not here to, you know, to kind of to, to rag on it or anything, but there are some interesting tidbits of information I found out during my tenure with Incinery that uh, I don't really think are, are sort of public common knowledge so I really want to expose a bit of these things and basically just see what the reaction is really so yeah but this isn't designed to uh, you know sort of uh, make anyone uh, angry it's not designed to make you know put myself in a position that you know in a higher light for example I'm, I'm not here to to kind of to, to bring anyone down I'm basically just here to tell my side of things for finally for the first time eight years later so don't worry I haven't been uh, you know molested or anything uh, but uh, it should be an interesting thing to get into because I have had a few people ask me about my time during the band and uh, to be honest um, on the whole it was a very very good experience just to get that out of the way um However, um, there, has, there has been a few things uh, that have bugged me uh, since that time, basically. And this is eight years old now. So uh, it is a bit of a weird thing to be going back to it and revisiting it and talking about it again now. But basically, I joined this band because I had recently left uh, Spectre, which was, of course, as you've listened to the previous episodes of this podcast, you'll know that was the band, the childhood band I created with some of my uh, teenage friends. I left that band. Um, I noticed a uh, sort of ad for a bassist for a Nottingham-based band called Incinery, and uh, I was basically encouraged to join the band by my uh, girlfriend at the time. Uh, it was my first girlfriend, and she was called Chloe. She was an absolute horrible piece of work. Um... But uh, basically, she was actually part of the story, which is why I mention it. And basically, she's part of the reason that things went the way they did. So uh, basically, I, I, I went through a few uh, sort of jam sessions with the band, a few uh, sort of uh, trials and uh, practice runs. They gave me a couple of songs of theirs to learn. Uh, they gave me about two weeks to do so. So I managed to learn those two songs pretty much off the bat straight away. Um, this is, by the way, while I was still playing bass as well. Um, and basically they needed me in on short notice because they had a book gig for the Metal to the Masses initiative for Bloodstock, which is basically, for those that aren't aware, Metal to the Masses is an annual uh, yearly sort of competition that Bloodstock Festival organises up and down the country to try and find breaking new bands, uh, you know, bands that are underground, that haven't quite made the big time yet, 
to try and give them a bit of a platform and a bit of exposure. And uh, it's essentially a big battle of the bands contest held in most of the major cities up and down the country to try and find the cream of the crop of new talent to potentially you know, give them a bit of a bigger stage, let them play the Bloodstock Festival on the New Blood stage and basically try and take them to the next level. So that aspect of things I very much agree with. So, uh, you know, I was recruited into the band. There was a few other, um, I think I'm, I'm sure I've ta- told this story on the podcast before, but basically I was up against a few other potential bassist candidates for the band. Um, their original bassist, David Jordan, had left on short notice to go and move up to Leicester for university, so he's going to be living and moving up there without much uh, thought in the way of transport. So, um, you know, it was basically by necessity, Incinery needed to find a bassist on double quick time. So, luckily, I managed to fit the bill I was the best out of the three people they uh, auditioned. And uh, to cut a long story short, I was invited into the band with open arms. You know, everyone was happy to have me. Everyone seemed like they were really cool guys. They certainly, uh, you know, liked my personality as well. Maybe they had a few issues from the get-go. Maybe they were concerned I was a bit too young or a bit too naive uh, to actually be doing this full-time. But I proved them wrong initially. I, uh, you know, performed really well. They were happy with my personality and my playing. And as far as I was concerned, things were all good and rosy. So uh, so things progressed. Um, I was basically a part of the band for around about one to two months uh, altogether, which wasn't a massive amount of time, admittedly, but a lot happened in that time. So uh, over the course of those weeks, I went for regular band practice in Nottingham twice a week, which was a 15-minute bus ride away. Um, carried all my equipment up there, uh, you know, paid for the time and the band practice, which was difficult considering I didn't have a full-time job at the time. So I, you know, I definitely put in a lot of time. I definitely put in some sacrifices for this band. And, uh, of course, it was a great thing for me because, you know, I was on a bit of a higher pedestal compared to where I had been previously. I was surrounded by much superior musicians to the ones I was used to. It was nice being part of a full band that already got their act together and they already had some decent material written. Um, And at this point, they'd already recorded their first EP, uh, the Dawn of War EP, which is what I listened to on the journeys up there. So they had about four or five songs on, on that EP. I initially learned two of them. And uh, by the end of it, I could pretty much play every song they'd written. And, and it was nice, getting, you know, going behind the curtain a bit, seeing how a, what, in my eyes, was a professional band sort of played and performed and conducted themselves. They were much more professional and, uh, you know, uh, sort of uh, organised than I was really, uh, you know, used to at the time. Most of the other bands I'd been part of had basically been formed, been formed by people who were just playing music part-time or they weren't particularly good or focused or dedicated. So it was refreshing to be finally surrounded by people with a similar mindset to myself. So, uh so yeah, so the, the practices themselves went well. Um, eventually, it got time to do the actual gig, which was, uh, of course, my first gig with the band. And it was, uh, of course, uh, what else would it be? Of course, it happened to be the not just any old gig. It was the final of that year's Metal to the Masses competition in the Nottingham area. So uh, basically, my very first gig with the band was a bit of a trial by fire, really. I'd never played with them live before other than in the practice rehearsal space. Um, it was obviously a bit of a whirlwind of emotions because we ended up actually winning the uh, the, the competition. So uh, it's I suppose it's arguable to say whether or not I had much of a part to play with that. Of course, I think it's pretty easy to say that if it weren't for them choosing to have me in the band, the chances are they, you know, they may not have uh, even gotten to the gig in the first place, let alone won it. So I at least like to claim partial responsibility for that because uh, you know who can play a gig without a bassist. Um, so yeah, so I, I think I did pretty well there. It was a great gig. I have wonderful, wonderful memories of playing that gig. It was the biggest adrenaline rush I'd had 
in my musical career at that point and it was absolutely fantastic the room was crowded probably full with up to one to two hundred people which is the biggest gig i'd done up to that point and uh, i still remember to this day the feeling of standing up on the stage uh when uh, you know the uh the band was basically announced to have won it was the biggest success i'd ever felt musically ever and it was absolutely fantastic so uh so yeah that was a bit uh a bit of a come down uh well it was basically the best part of the band up until the end, really. So, uh, yeah, so basically there's a bit of a uh, detail here I want to go over. And that is that, uh, basically, from my understanding and my recollection of it, I basically heard rumours during, during the time, but actually found out for definite later on, that uh, basically about the way that the actual competition itself is structured. I don't know if it's the same way now, because obviously almost a decade has passed since then. But obviously the same people seem to be in charge. Um, basically there's a chap called Simon Hall, who basically is part of a band called Beholder, who has worked with Bloodstock for many, many a year now. I think he's been there well, more or less since day one. And he is basically the, the main organiser and booker of uh, the new Blood stage and of the Midlands Metal to the Masses initiative. So basically it's up to him to decide which bands stay and which bands go. Um, and that was a bit of an eye-opener for me, really, because we'd all been led to believe every band in there and every member of every band as part of the show, at least in our area, was led to believe that uh, the winner was basically going to be decided by uh, the, the, you know, the basically the audience reaction on the day. Uh, and uh, fortunately, Incendiary did seem to get the uh, biggest audience reaction. However, it was very, very stiff competition. And, uh, you know, short of having an audienceometer from something like a game show, I don't really know how that's a fair or balanced way of actually deciding which bands make the cut. So uh, the gig took its course. Uh, the gig was actually uh, about five bands altogether as part of the competition. So obviously, of course, there was ourselves in Cinemary. Uh, the first, back, uh, the first uh, act that was on was Taken by the Tide, which was another local kind of deathcore band, which uh, was fronted, funnily enough, by uh, Phil Illsley, who uh, these days happens to be uh, the, basically the creator of uh, one of my fellow one-man bands, Abduction, and they're doing incredibly for themselves these days. So at least something good came out of it for him. But basically there was Incendiary, Taken by the Tide... There was another band that we shared the rehearsal space with called Spiritus, which were like a funky, uh, kind of uh, genty, uh, new metal kind of uh, mishmash of a band. They were really good as well. Um, and also there was Hellraiser, which was run by uh, Chris, who is now uh, basically the guitarist of Devastator. And uh, there was one other band as well, which uh, went by the name of Surreal Panther. Oh, wait, no, sorry, it wasn't called that. That was the name of the uh, Steel Panther tribute band they also did on the side. Uh, the actual name of the band now, I actually forget the name of, but I, I'm going to find out what it is because it's important to come back to. But essentially this band uh, was basically the worst band of the bunch. They were just terrible, you know, uh, you know, bargain basement Steel Panther. Not very good really at all in any way. They had good charisma, but the actual songs themselves and the stage show was a bit naff to be honest. But uh, funnily enough, out of all of the other bands, all the other fantastically talented bands other than ourselves, they were the band that were also decided to be brought up to that year's Bloodstock Festival. So, uh, you know, it doesn't really say much for the actual uh, booking capabilities of Bloodstock to pick probably the best band of the night and the worst band of the night. And the only reason they were actually brought on, rather than, you know, maybe, you know, I don't know, maybe just giving a chance to some actually good, talented, hard-working bands like Spiritus or Taken by the Tide, instead they decided to go with this ridiculous glam metal band. And uh, I actually found out from a first-hand source um, after the gig 
that uh, they weren't picked on musical merit or talent or uh, audience uh, reception. They were basically picked because um, the daughter of the uh, creator of the festival, Paul Gregory, Vicky Gregory, had basically uh, just decided to get married to a chap called Stuart, who was basically a big uh, sort of uh, band booker. Um, and uh, it's important to note that because he'll be coming up later on in the story as well. But basically, they were about to get married, and they basically wanted this band to play their wedding, and that is the reason, the definitive reason, why they played that year's Bloodstock Festival. So, uh, you know, it's a little bit corrupt here. There's a bit of controversy. Um, so I really don't understand how that works. But, uh, yeah, as you can see, it's not the, the fairest of affairs. And I think that's going to be a bit of a revelation for those that haven't played the festival before because it certainly opened my eyes at the time when I found out. So needless to say, that kind of put me off on the wrong foot from the get-go. It kind of had me maybe, uh, you know, thinking that maybe all was not well with this whole scenario. But uh, nevertheless, of course, we won uh, the, the gig uh, we did a few of the preparation gigs uh, in the meantime in the run-up because it was a few months until the actual Bloodstock gig, the, you know, the big finale. So uh, we did a few of the shows up and down. Um, we did some in, the, in pubs. We did one in the club. And uh, they all went pretty well. Obviously, we all honed our craft and I, I worked on the songs more. Uh, and I was beginning to feel pretty confident as part of this band. You know, I'd been, I'd been embraced from every member of the band. I got to know them all personally. You know, some of their family friends and, uh, you know, super fans had also welcomed me into the band and made friends with me as well. I, I uh, vividly remember us going over to their house, actually, at one point. I stayed over at the guitarist's house for a few nights uh, on the multiple occasions. Um... We basically went on nights out together. Uh, we we went for a big uh, lap up, uh, you know, uh, dinner to basically celebrate us winning the Metal to the Masters festival that was held at one of their friends' houses, and uh, basically we stayed there as well. So you know, I felt like I was fully, completely uh, being enrolled into the band, uh, you know, top to bottom. So you know, obviously my eventual exit from the band came as a very sudden shock and surprise. Uh, but basically, the gig rolled around, you know, uh, Bloodstock came in, we, we, we all got free tickets to actually go to the festival because we were playing there, so that was a definite um, incredible bonus. Um, just to rewind slightly, um, immediately following the announcement that we'd won the gig, I remember going to the back of Rock City, which was basically the, the venue where the, the show was, was uh, held. With uh, you know, uh, with Simon Hall and Rob Bannister and a few other big head honchos from Bloodstock, and they were basically telling us all about how uh, you know the band was, uh, you know, they were incredibly uh, impressed with us. They, they they could see big things happening for us. You know, things were about to pick up here from here for us. Uh, you know, you're going to get free all ex expenses paid tickets to Bloodstock Festival for the year. You're going to play the new Blood stage. We're going to be getting in touch with managers and contracts and bookers and all that sort of stuff. So that was all exciting to be part of. I kind of, uh, you know, I, I felt like I'd, I'd, I'd fallen on my feet. You know, it was it was a dream come true. I, it, it, but, of course, I was far too young and naive to realise that, uh, you know, it was too good to be true. So, uh, yeah, so we played the gig at Bloodstock. I actually have vivid memories as well of preparing for that show because we'd had three days of sleepless nights, you know, terrible food, drinking and smoking to excess. It was obviously a very, very difficult thing to pull off. But we managed it. Uh, my, my girlfriend was in, uh, you know, in tow as well. And basically, she had had a couple of run-ins with some of my previous band members during this time because they were still trying to argue the toss about me uh, leaving Spectre. 
And I think they were probably feeling a bit raw and a bit uh, sort of revenge laden. You know, basically realising that I'd split off from their terrible band uh, to go and make some success off on my own. And, you know, a couple of months later, here I was playing one of the biggest metal festivals in the UK. So I can definitely see how that touched a few nerves with them. But basically, she managed to get involved and uh, basically create arguments with them putting her into a terrible mood and she always accompanied me to band practice and to uh, shows as well and I think she probably rubbed some of the incendiary members up the wrong way as well because she joined us for uh, the festival and uh, yeah she kind of got on with them a little bit too well Uh, and also with one of the other bands there as well luckily they're broken up now but there was a band playing that year as well called uh, Malefice which were an absolutely ridiculously shit band. Uh, and basically it turned out that she had been cheating with one of their guitarists. So uh, that didn't put me in a fantastic mood anyway. But I played the gig anyway. We did a fantastic show. We had a ton of people coming to watch us on the New Blood stage. That was quite honestly the best, biggest gig I've ever played in my entire life. It was absolutely unbelievable achievement. Despite all the negativity surrounding it, I would never take that back for anything in the world. It was probably the pinnacle of my musical live career, at least, anyway. So it was a very, very good gig. I remember getting my uh, hair stuck in the headstock of Chuck's guitar. Chuck was the guitarist of Incinery, by the way. So we had uh, Jason Chakarung was the guitarist. I was obviously the bassist. Uh, we had um, Steve Dudley was the drummer. He's now the drummer of Line of Fire. Um, the uh, guitarist, the other guitarist, Chris, Chris Kenny, was the founder of the band. Really, really nice chap. And uh, they had James Rawlings as their singer as well. So that was basically incinerary for you. Uh, So my hair got stuck on Chuck's guitar headstock midway through the gig. Managed to get it free. And then right at the end of the show, um, I accidentally pulled out the the cable from my bass cab. So the bass cab was fine. Everything like that was fine. It just basically meant that the bass audio was cut out uh, about 30 seconds before the end of the show. So uh, obviously this was looked down upon and frowned upon because of these few minor technical hiccups during the show. Uh, I think everyone's nerves were very high, adrenaline was running high, everyone was, you know, just determined to make this show a success because, it, you know, basically the career of the band potentially rested upon it. So, uh, but luckily that went down very, very successfully as well, as it would turn out, because they got invited to play the, the festival numerous times, uh, uh, you know, in the years uh, since, as well as uh, opening shows on the Thursday of Download and several other festivals as well. So uh, so that's basically what happened to Incinery. They ended up getting a bit more success and doing some fairly high-profile gigs. They also eventually went on to record a second EP and uh, you know a full-length album as well, which came out in 2014. And basically, we've heard nothing of them since. So I have no idea what's happening anymore. I don't have any contact with any of the band members at these, these days. No idea what's going on with them. Um, but uh, it doesn't look like it's particularly good, to be honest. So, you know... Maybe maybe it is, maybe it isn't. We'll have to wait and see. But basically, uh, I don't really feel as though I was sort of, you know, destined to have been fired from the band. I basically got fired. I've already told this part of the story already. But basically, I was fired because they weren't convinced that I would be able to dedicate enough time and finances to being in the band anymore. Which was very, very convenient considering I'd basically help, helped them, uh, you know, successfully achieve the two biggest gigs of the band's career to date. So, uh, yeah, so that was a very, very gutting uh, way to end things so uh, so yeah that was a bit weird really I think uh, Bloodstock Festival at the time in terms of booking bands was probably a bit corrupt I think Incinery themselves definitely should have had a bit more decorum and you know maybe considered things a bit more differently maybe shouldn't have led me on so much or used me 
So there we have it, guys. That is pretty much a uh, truncated version of a incredibly depressing story. But luckily, you know, a few positives happened to me because of that. Because, uh, you know, uh, these days when I look back on it, it's nice to see that they're basically achieving nothing anymore. And here I am with 13 albums under my belt doing stronger than ever. So uh, for those of you that were wondering, the name of the band, which I completely forgot, uh, was basically because it was such a terrible name, I, I couldn't remember it. But basically the terrible uh, glam metal band was called Airstrike. As a quick side note as well, it's also quite interesting to note how in the uh, weeks and months after me uh, getting fired from incinery, how all of that eventually played out. Because uh, basically as time went on and they became more successful, up to a point obviously because they've basically faded into obscurity now. But uh, afterwards um, they basically went on a bit of a campaign of trying to rewrite history and trying to airbrush me out of the band uh, in the first place. Uh, you know, there was... Uh, the actual gig uh, that we did at Bloodstock on the new Blood stage, they actually had it uh, filmed for a sort of professionally filmed YouTube release. Uh, and they, uh, you know, conveniently picked all of the shots that didn't feature me in uh, the actual shot. So basically there's very, very little evidence remaining that I was ever a part of the band at all. However, it is out there if you know where to look. So if you go onto YouTube right now and search for uh, Metal to the Masses 2012 Incinery, uh... You should be able to find a few videos of interviews there with uh, Chuck, myself and Chris Kenny and Steer as well. So, uh, you know, there's definitely video evidence that I was part of the band. There's also a few photographs on my Instagram and my Facebook pages um, of me with uh, with them as well. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those things where it's, it's a bit of a sad, sorry state of affairs when you have to go to these sorts of lengths to try and, you know, dispel the truth of a situation for your own benefit. I think it's a little bit disgusting, to be honest. Uh... So there we have it guys, uh, this is the, uh, you know, the dirty underbelly of the music business I'm afraid. But uh, nevertheless, luckily enough, as I've said, we've all moved past it now. I'm in a much better place personally. And the only reason I'm bringing it up now is just to basically make sure that the dirty laundry is out of the way and we all know where we stand. And basically all of you know the real truth about this situation. So uh, yeah, head to Wikipedia, search for Incinery. You'll find my name listed under the alumni section there. Uh, and, uh, you know, luckily, that's all in the past, and the future is looking a lot better and a lot more bright. And just to tie a little uh, bow over the uh, the end of this story, just to round everything off, just a few final thoughts on this uh, whole sort of endeavour. Um, I think, by and large, it was a really positive experience, barring some of the uh, awful things that I've actually discussed here. Um, it's been a really nice... Uh, sort of change and positive experience to actually get some of these things off my chest and and tell you guys about them because i feel as infernal symphony fans through and through you deserve to know absolutely everything about the history of the band and myself because it's an interesting story i think hopefully it'll help you get a bit more attached to the band and my music and the reasons behind why i do it and why i'm so passionate and dedicated towards it so uh so yeah so uh just a few other uh, things to sort of add on to the end of this before we wrap it up and move on to another topic as well just a quick little correction i noticed i called vicky uh, hungerford's Sorry, uh, basically I called uh, the uh, the daughter of Paul Gregory, Vicky, Vicky Gregory. She is now called Vicky Hungerford. 
because the chap she ended up marrying, his name actually wasn't Stuart. If memory serves me right, his name was actually Alan Hungerford. Uh, so uh, I actually went to their house as well, around about a week or two before I got fired from incinerary. Um, as a band, we all were invited round to his lavish mansion uh, somewhere in the Midlands. And basically he talked us through some of the deals, record deals and stuff they were wanting to go over. Had a very, very posh, expensive house, you know, all the finest stuff, you know, uh, all the, you know, fantastic things. I distinctly remember going into the conservatory and he basically had a glass coffee table made there, which... Uh, which was basically, uh, it, underneath the glass, it had a ton of different picks from all the different bands that he'd sort of managed and booked and, and organised over the years, including some uh, Motorhead picks and uh, various different things like that. So he's been involved with that band and a few other bands as well. So for me personally, that was a very, very exciting day as well, um, basically just to be close to some of these bands that have been so important and, uh, you know, uh, inspirational to me through the years. So knowing that I was with someone who had worked with Lemmy and Motorhead was absolutely unbelievable. In fact, you know, in terms of that sort of standpoint, the entire experience was incredibly valuable to me and I'll cherish those memories till the day I die. You know, I got to meet someone involved with Lemmy and Motorhead, you know, at the actual show at Bloodstock. I've probably mentioned this already, but I, uh, I managed to meet uh, three out of four of the members of Evil because they were playing the show, uh, the, the festival that year. One of my favourite bands at the time, so I was, you know, completely flabbergasted to get the chance to meet them and speak to them in person like an everyday person. So, you know, I've mentioned bumping into Joel Graham uh, in the past, you know, their bassist uh, on the way to take a piss there. I had a really, really nice chat with uh, old Drake, the guitarist at the time. He was an absolutely unbelievable guy. And uh, quickly, briefly bumped into Matt Drake as well. I'm um, literally on the right, on the, the the walk up to the stage we were about to play. So stuff like that is always going to stick with me. You know, I remember standing next to Chuck Billy. Uh, I remember talking to Steve Hughes, the uh, metal comedian. He's a great guy. Uh, yeah. So all in all, although there were a lot of positive experiences to this, um, it was, uh, you know, quite a disappointing affair by the end of it. However, it did definitely add to my personal life skills and experience. It basically, you know, focused the uh, the energy that I had on creating a band and made me more determined to do it than ever before. And, uh, you know, you could say that without this, Infernal Symphony may not have existed because at this point, if this hadn't have happened to me... You know, I wouldn't have joined Sickened, I wouldn't have left that band, and I wouldn't have had the inspiration that spurred me on to create this incredible, amazing musical endeavour that we are faced with now. So, uh, so yeah, hopefully that was an interesting story, guys. Hopefully it wasn't too rambly or boring. Uh, you know, if any of you know any of these guys personally, don't hold any of this against them. Um, but, uh, you know, I think this was uh, definitely information that deserved to be heard, finally. Um... So there we have it, guys. Yes, maybe it's a case of, uh, you know, corruption in uh, big business and big corporations. Probably isn't the most surprising news ever, but uh, I definitely thought it was something worth pointing out. And hopefully you guys got a lot from that. So anyway, uh, so all of that stuff is long, deep into the past now. So, uh, you know, this podcast is no longer going to be focused on the past for the rest of this episode, for the remainder of it. So instead, we're going to look towards the future. And uh, as I've said earlier, the, the future of Infernal Symphony is fantastically bright this year. We've had some phenomenal success over the past couple of years. Things have been uh, picking up in pace and, uh, you know, in speed a lot more even just this year as well. You know, with, the, with us having released three full-length releases already this year. So, uh, you know, onwards and upwards, really. That's all I've got to say to that. So... Uh, with that in mind, uh, I already mentioned it earlier and gave you a little teaser of it, so how about I actually give you 
the very first ever proper taste of some of my newest material taken from the upcoming new album Laceration Coronation which I'll be publishing on infernalsymphonyuk.bandcamp.com next month. Alright, so I am, as I've said it guys, you know, I am absolutely frothing at the mouth to uh, unleash this album upon you. It is quite possibly the best thing I've come out with this year, um, if not, uh, you know, all together. And, uh, you know, I think it speaks for a lot, really, when a single lone musician can come out with over 10 albums over the space of three years. And, uh, you know, that's more than I actually managed to get done with any of the other bands I was a part of over, you know, the previous 10 years before that. So I think that speaks a lot about my own personal commitment and dedication to this music. It also says a lot about my determination to actually be a success. And uh, I have all of you guys listening to this to thank for that. So just before we head further, I'd love to give each and every one of you a huge, massive thank you, as I always do, for supporting me, continuing to uh, be a part of this story, and for, uh, you know, for doing everything you can to listen to, support, and uh, basically uh, encourage Infernal Symphony to continue thriving on into the future, because it is the most important thing to me uh, that this thing continues. I've been doing, it, been doing it for three years now. It shows no signs of slowing down anytime soon, despite all the numerous hitches and uh, you know obstacles that have been put in my way. Even before Infernal Symphony was created, you know, ever since I started, uh, ever since I decided to make music uh, my hobby and my passion, and potentially, hopefully, my career someday, uh, you know, no matter uh, no matter how many different obstacles and challenges I face. I am determined to always continue to face them head on and uh, continue to make something of myself. So it's in the spirit of that I'd like to show you this new song. So this is a song that has uh, been finished over the past couple of weeks, never been heard before. So you guys are in for the very first exclusive taste of the brand new music coming out next month. And uh, I'm just trying to decide which is the best song to show you. Um, I think, to be honest... One of the best things to, uh, to for, you, for you guys to listen to, given everything that we've talked about today, is probably going to be a song called Ravaged by Hatred. Uh, so this is track number two from the upcoming release, Laceration Coronation. Look out for it on uh, the Bandcamp page very, very shortly, guys. It should be up over the next four or five weeks. And this is a fantastic dungeon synth track, which I'm sure you guys are going to appreciate. So I'm about to play that in a few seconds.
So there we have it guys, that was track number two, Ravaged by Hatred, taken from the upcoming release, uh, Laceration Coronation. So I think that album uh, uh, track pretty much fully encapsulates exactly what is awesome about this new release. Um, I think you'll uh, probably understand after having listening to it that it's uh, definitely the most uh, mature, uh, sort of fully, fully, uh, you know, completed and well-rounded release that I have ever put out to date um that track in particular completely perfectly sums up the sound of this new release because it isn't really inventing the wheel again or doing anything particularly groundbreaking for me what this album was more about for me personally was trying to consolidate all of the different areas of dungeon synth music creation i have sort of uh, basically improved on over the past 12 months or so since i first started them and i think you'll agree that listening to this it definitely feels as though everything's come full circle now um, you know, it's a very multi-layered, multifaceted song with a lot of great elements to it. And, uh, you know, it, it just really, really flows by in a very, very good way. So I'm um, definitely excited for you guys to listen to more of this. So uh, with that in mind, that is why I'm going to play you another track coming up very, very shortly. Uh, but just before we do, um, it's just time to go into one of our um, other segments for this week's episode so uh, so basically carry on listening guys hopefully you're enjoying the podcast up to now and uh, if you're excited about this album be sure to send us in a voice message on uh, anchor.fm forward slash infernal symphony and uh, obviously of course if you're interested in it you can get it from our Bandcamp page um, it'll be a- uh, available to be listened to for free it will be available also for £2.50 if you'd like to purchase the entire album and of course if you want to save a bit of money on that you can also buy our full discography for a little under £20 which includes roughly around about 14 uh, releases or so at the moment. And uh, of course, just another little reminder, guys, as well. If you are interested in that album, but you'd like to uh, basically receive all sorts of others as well, then yes, I have mentioned it earlier on in the episode already. But basically, if you go onto our Bandcamp page and click on the link that says Heathens Club, uh, for £3 a month, you can basically subscribe to the band and... uh, um, if you do it before it comes out, not only will you uh, receive the album completely for free, but you will also receive anything else that comes out in the future for free as well, plus numerous back catalogue releases as well. I think this is something that uh, maybe quite isn't um, as uh, sort of obvious as I'd like, um, but essentially, not only do you get anything new that comes out, uh, but basically, pretty much most of our full previously already released discography, you will instantly receive for free anyway. So, uh, you know, it's not like a the sort of thing where you have to pay for anything new you will literally get anything that comes out new plus majority of the stuff that is out already so there's only really a couple of things that are omitted from this so if you think that's a fantastic deal you know getting hours upon hours of fantastic music uh then obviously all you got to do is uh, pay three quid a month and not only do you get that you get tons of other benefits as well so uh, definitely check that out guys um in the meanwhile why are you thinking about whether to do that or not How about I play you some music from Faust? So, of course, yes, as well, it's also probably worth pointing out that uh, not only do you get all of those benefits that I've already mentioned a few times, but, uh, of course, your money, uh, your three quid a month that you do spend on the Heathens Club won't just be going into a gigantic money pit or funding an evil corporation. It'll basically be uh, really giving a massive helping hand to a struggling, unsigned and independent artist doing everything on his own. And uh, not only is that going to enable me to continue to create the fantastic music that you love, uh, which I assume you must do if you're listening to this, but uh, not only does it help me do that, but it also helps me to uh, improve my uh, actual recruitment and basically 
not only just continue, but actually make things bigger and better as well. Um, I, you know, it's uh, almost halfway through the year now. Um, I still haven't really actually managed to achieve any of the things I wanted to do in terms of, uh, you know, uh, building the actual band or the brand. Uh, you know, so including things like uh, brand new merchandise, for example, I've I've already released a few mugs over the years, but I'm basically uh, wanting to do a few more of those, plus try and do some t-shirts and some physical releases of not just the Dungeon Synth, but all of my albums as well. So I haven't actually been able uh, financially to, to actually start doing that yet, but that's definitely something that is on the agenda. And, uh, you know, as soon as a few of these, uh, you know, sub sort of subscriptions start coming in, that is going to be my first priority once I have uh, basically completed uh, the, you know, building the new recording setup. So, you know, every single little bit counts, guys. Even if you, uh, you know, go on one of the uh, free albums, such as, uh, uh, you know, uh, Litanies of... Uh, litany of errors or if you go to unholy persecution if you buy even just the free stuff and just give me just a couple of quid for it that really does help it goes a long long way so uh sorry to uh you know you know act like a charity appeal guys i hate really i honestly really hate doing this but you know it is one of those things that will make my life a hell of a lot easier and if you think the music that we've done up to now has been great then you know once we get this new setup sorted you guys will be absolutely blown away i can assure you of that so, uh, so now that that's out of the way, uh, we're going to go into talking about Faust. So Faust was uh, a massive success for me at the time. Uh, even just a few short months after it was released at this time last year, it had already surpassed the majority of my other albums in terms of listens and audience response. Um, you know, some of that potentially could be due to the fact that it is a double album, uh, so obviously there is twice as many tracks for you guys to listen to. But nevertheless, it was a great album that was really, really well received, and it also got reviewed uh, by uh, one of the uh, local publications in my area. So that was an absolutely brilliant achievement for us at the time, um, and uh, to celebrate that that success and uh, you know obviously still being around a year after it came out I'm going to play you a song from it but I'm particularly going to pick songs that uh, A haven't really been featured on the podcast before but B also probably haven't really been mentioned on our Facebook page or anything else as well because there are a lot of tracks and uh, of course there's only so much space in uh, you know uh, different posts and reviews and things to kind of mention certain tracks so I'm going to pick you my personal favourites and probably some of the, uh, the, the songs on there that might have flown under your radar so even if you've listened to the album before, uh, you know, if it's been a while since you've listened to it or if you haven't checked out the whole thing in full, I definitely urge you to do so. And, uh, you know, if you need a bit of uh, encouragement to do that, then maybe this next song is going to change your mind. So the next song I want to play for you guys is basically called Rotes Wertan. And this is basically uh, also called Worker of Evil. And uh, Rotes Wertan is basically a garbled uh, pig Latin version of that English track name. Uh, so I think it's quite an interesting track. It basically is two-thirds of the way through the story of Faust, uh, where basically it's talking about how, you know, Faust's um, massive power that he's been given after signing a, uh, a contract with Satan has basically started to get the better of him, and he's got a hell of a lot more power, influence, and knowledge, but it is starting to take its toll and also starting to slowly warp and twist his mind into the evil being he would become before getting encroached upon by satan and uh basically being destroyed and taken down into hell so uh let's uh, i think that's enough introduction for this song so let me just play it for you guys you can see for yourselves why this is such a landmark album for us and uh you, you never know maybe you found your brand new album your favorite new album so let's listen to that now guys and i might tell you a little bit of the background as to why i created this album and how it happened afterwards so here we go guys this is worker of evil Thank mm -hmm. you. 
So there we go, guys. That was Rotis Wertan, Worker of Evil, the 13th track from our... Uh, oh, which one was it now? I think it was actually our 11th album at the time, which was, of course, the double album, Faust. So uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed that. We'll be playing another one of those a little bit later on, but I think it's also uh, probably a good time to move on to another little topic of conversation, and then I'll give you another little Faust song right before we get to the closing segments of the podcast, because we're about at least halfway through now, and we must be. So thank you guys for listening. Hopefully you enjoyed that, and there will be more to come a little bit later on. So I think at this point, guys, it's about time I answered the question of the week. So if you guys have given it a bit of thoughts, you might remember that the question, of course, was before Infernal Symphony became a one-man band, how many people were part of the band? And uh, to answer that question in short terms, the answer is number five. But of course, uh, the answer gets a little bit more complicated than that because really the band didn't actually really fully exist with all five members at any one point. Uh, What actually happened was I originally had five people in mind, uh, well four people in mind, sorry, to join um, and basically invited them all over to uh, the vape shop that I worked at after hours to basically explain the uh, concept of the band to them, the reason why I was creating it, the sort of music I had, showed them some of my songs and some of my ideas and ambitions for it and then arranged the band practice for a week later at a local recording studio which uh, only partially went ahead uh, because the the vocalist I had in mind basically uh, ended up having to go to hospital last minute and uh, unfortunately most of the people I picked despite being good players didn't actually take any time whatsoever to uh, to learn any of the parts for the song so it basically just devolved into the most disastrous jam I've ever done and that was basically the final nail in the coffin of the ambition of Infernal Symphony becoming an actual band so that's basically the reason why Infernal Symphony uh, ended up being a solo project or one of many reasons really and uh but to answer the question a little bit more thoroughly um basically i basically had a few guys in mind for the project so it's basically uh, a, a chap called adam who was a drummer he was uh, the uh, current drummer in second at the time uh there was a uh, a friend and a chap that i knew from derby um called stefan who uh, i'd actually also previously met through second temporarily uh second was a band that had a hell of a lot of band members running through it considering the fact they got nothing done but anyway that's besides the point uh so yeah he was a cool guy he was a fellow ginger like me he was pretty decent at guitar and he was very much on board for it um the vocalist was uh, adam's uh, brother who unfortunately I, I did manage to meet up with and have a chat with but uh, he unfortunately missed the practice and there was another lad by the name of uh patrick who uh, ended up um being a glam metal guitarist but he was actually a pretty decent guitarist in his own right and likes a lot of the same music as me such as uh, Megadeth and uh, Buckethead and several other bands such as that so so yeah in a way I'm kind of a bit uh, disappointed it didn't end up going that way but uh, you know reflecting on things at this point seeing how amazing I've managed to do on my own it really actually doesn't bother me all that much anymore but there we have it guys there's a little bit of uh, interesting trivia for you there regarding even more of the band's origins so there we go guys i think if nothing else this episode it's definitely been a lesson in perseverance and uh you know it's one of those things really it's uh this is something i've always believed and i I tell to anyone who care to listen you know it doesn't matter how difficult your dreams are that you want to achieve or how many obstacles are in the way 
you should never give uh, you should never actually uh, you know give up on your dreams because you know if nothing else i am living proof and testament of the power of perseverance and of uh, having a very very strong mindset and will to succeed because uh, you know like i say I, I i seem to probably mention something to this sort of effect basically every episode but you know this isn't the easiest of jobs really guys you know i'm 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 writing and recording songs all the time creating artwork making the podcast making the youtube videos and uh, obviously organizing the facebook page and the Midlands Metal One Man Bands page as well. So obviously it's a hell of a lot for one person to take on. But you know, you know, if this is what it takes to succeed, it's what you got to do. What you got to do, haven't you? And I wouldn't trade this for the world, to be honest, because I love doing this music. I love being able to be in this sort of position that I can talk to you guys with today, and basically give you the benefit of my, you know, relatively limited experience, but also just basically just level with you and be honest about, you know, the the pitfalls, but also the the massive, incredible, uh, positive uh, aspects of doing this kind of thing as well. Because you know, I do understand. I do have a few people say occasionally and this is something i've always been you know all too aware of that the kind of music i do of course isn't going to be to everybody's taste it's a very very esoteric very very obscure kind of music um especially these days with me you know the past 12 months or so being forced into creating dungeon synth music exclusively because you ask any you know random fellow off the street they have no idea what that even is um so, uh, you know, as if my original music wasn't too obscure and uh, odd and uh, unorthodox to start with. Obviously, it's become even more so the further I've gone into it. Uh, and that's obviously partly through necessity. But uh, like, I've, uh, like I've said before, like it's, it's definitely been a great learning experience for me to do Dungeon Synth. And it's been a brilliant sort of excuse to try a few new approaches and get a handle on a few different new skills. And, you know, at the end of the day, if it improves the music and it gives some, uh, you know, fans of mine something, uh, you know, different and new and original to listen to, then I'm all for it. So I definitely urge you guys to try something new as well with your own music. If you're in a band or if you write music in any way, you know, my thought for the month basically is to, uh, you know, uh, step outside of your little bubble for a little bit, think outside the box a bit more, and basically just try something that you may not have attempted in the past, because you never know. You might be quite surprised at how uh, how much of a boon it actually is. Um, so with that in mind, very, very shortly, I'm going to play you another brand new track from Laceration Coronation. Um, but before that, I just wanted to just also say, once again, thanks again for listening. And uh, hopefully this hasn't been too much drudgery for the second part of the episode. Um, it's been a bit of a difficult challenge to kind of come up with uh, content to talk about this month, to be honest. Because we are sort of in a bit of limbo at the moment in between releases with us having done so many at the start of the year. But we, of course, do have a lot more coming up um, later in the year as well. Once Laceration Coronation has come out, um, I've, I've basically got a few other little bits and pieces I've been working on. I've mentioned a few of them already. There is actually, uh, for the first time ever, I am actually going to announce that there is going to be another brand new album uh, coming out way ahead of time. So obviously we're into May at the moment. Uh, so next month, Laceration Coronation will be out. And uh, then a few short months later, probably around August or September time, I am actually also planning uh, the uh, the third full-length album for us this year, um, which I am not really in a position to go too far into depth with at the moment because it is still in the very, very earliest stages. 
Um, but also, at some point, I'll also be putting out the uh, the, the the finale of the Zealots of the Nether um, series of albums, which I have obviously gone over extensively on the show as well. And uh, this, for now at least, is going to be the final uh, you know edition of that series of albums. Uh, for those aren't aware, it's basically a series of some of the uh, the best Dungeon Synth albums and music I've created. But unfortunately, it's only exclusively available to those that subscribe to the Heathens Club. Yes, that's right, guys. Not only do you get music. Uh, for free and you also get uh, music coming out for free uh, in the future as well you also get access to incredibly exclusive albums that uh, regular listeners just don't simply don't have access to so so far that includes the uh, two um, you know uh, zealots of the nether albums that have come out already so that's at least 24 tracks of phenomenal dungeon synth music it also includes last year's mesopotamian melancholy ep which was very warmly received which includes a few tracks from uh, transformation of the celestial realm and a few uh, basically old um, exclusive demo tracks as well however it's not going to be that long until those two particular tracks aren't actually that exclusive anymore because as I mentioned a few episodes back, a few months back, we do also have one final release coming out at the end of the year as well, perhaps on my birthday on the 1st of November, which is, um, I'm not actually going to reveal um, the name of it or anything just yet, or the artwork, but basically it's going to be a compilation release of some of the uh, earliest demos, re-recordings, b-sides and outtakes of Infernal Symphony's past. So, uh, seeing as most of this episode has been dedicated towards the origins and past of the band, as most of them often seem to do, I think it was probably a good idea for me to actually bring this up because it's going to be an incredible, fantastic retrospective on some of uh, you know the behind-the-scenes goings-on of my musical creation process. So, there's going to be all sorts of different stuff on there, guys. There's going to be a few outtakes from um, March's uh, Abattoir of Agony release that we did, which was, of course, the very first uh, attempt at an album we ever did. Because there was about uh, nine tracks on that album that was released, and that already came into about 90 minutes of music as it was. However, we do also have an additional two tracks which come in at about 12 minutes apiece, which make up the first half of this brand new uh, compilation, which will be coming out in November. Um, so those two tracks are on there. They're definitely very interesting things to look at and listen to, guys, because they are some of the most ambitious things I'd attempted at the, at the time. It also features a whole sort of myriad of uh, a collection of different songs and uh, little snippets of songs, riffs, uh, different kind of uh, you know songs in different various stages of completion, which are basically from all different areas of the band, even uh, before and you know immediately after the creation of infernal symphony plus some other random odds and sods that i have basically just worked on in my own time as well which may or may not be uh the typical sort of standard stuff you'd usually hear from infernal symphony so if you're interested in any of that it's going to be an absolutely wild ride guys because it's unlike any any release that we've ever ever done before um so uh, i would definitely um urge you guys to get your hopes up for that and get excited by it because that will not be out uh too much longer now like I say, we're into May, so I'll give it another four or five months. That'll be in your hands, and that'll be on the band camp as well. But I think I've rambled for absolutely too long at this point. So without further ado, let's go into a little bit more music from the upcoming album. And, uh, you know, I'm sure you guys all enjoyed Ravaged by Hatred. 
We've also got, uh, hopefully, if we've got time, we'll also do one more track from Faust as well, just to celebrate, uh, you know, the uh, the 12-month anniversary of that album, um, because it was a monumentally good album. And, uh, you know, um, if, if if not, by the way, guys, if we do run out of time, if we happen to run out of time in this episode, I'll be going uh, probably a little bit more deeper into the overall creation and uh, idea behind that album in the next episode, which will be out in the next couple of weeks or so. So, yeah, we'll have to wait and see you guys. We've probably not got all that much longer to go back into Faust again, but that was a bit of a teaser for you with Worker of Evil. So, uh, for now, let's focus on the upcoming new one. And uh, the track I'm going to play for you this time around is something a little bit different to the first one. You may have noticed, listening to both of the songs I've uh, played for you this episode, that, uh, you know, the nature of Infinal Symphony's music has always been a bit weird and a bit out there and a bit different to pretty much anything you've heard before. And with the Dungeon Synth stuff... Since it was a case of me basically having no option other than to do it, I decided to just, you know, if, uh, go f- absolutely full throttle on it and, uh, you know, not do things by halves. I was basically like, if I'm going isolate, to isolate myself further and do something do- totally different to the norm already, I may as well do it to the nth degree. So that's pretty much what the focus of the Dungeon Synth albums have been over the past year or so since I started them. Firstly, of course, we did Cease to Exist in April of 2018, quickly followed up by this album I've been talking about, Faust, which came out a month later. And, uh, you know, obviously since that we also did the Groteska album in November, all the Zealots of the Nether album so far, and... Uh, of course, that led us on to the uh, Litany of Errors EP, the Libraries of the Abyss album, which came out this year in April, and of course, now leading up onto this new album, Laceration and uh, Coronation. So, so basically, with each and every single one of the songs on each of these albums, I've always tried to reiterate and innovate. I've always tried to improve over what's come before, as I always have done. Um, um, but I think, as I said earlier, this album, it really is probably the, uh, the pinnacle of that so far. It really is uh, probably the, 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 the uh, I'm trying to look for the, the right word, the culmination of the last 12 months of experience I've had with creating this form of music. And uh, to those of you that actually already do listen to Dungeon Synth, or at least are aware of what it actually is, I think you'll definitely agree with me that the sort of stuff that I'm actually putting out there and creating at the moment is quite unlike anything else out there. Um, from any other Dungeon Synth attempt uh, uh, at a band or a project doing this kind of thing. So I definitely 100% stand head and shoulders above and apart from you know all of those other bands. Uh, credit to them where it's due. You know There's a hell of a lot of talented people making Dungeon Synth because it is starting to blow up a bit at the moment in a small underground way. But uh, you know I would definitely like to stake the claim as saying that my sort of stuff is uh, you know definitely the most original and innovative and probably the, the certainly the heaviest kind of dungeon synth that I've personally ever laid my ears onto, and uh, I would also obviously of course just like to say that that uh, for me at least is personally a remarkable achievement when you consider the fact of how difficult and uh, extraordinary it is to actually come out with music that is original sounding and doing something genuinely original and different these days. So uh, with all that in mind, hopefully you guys really enjoy the album. I will be going over it a little bit more um, on the actual release month as well, so that will be a few episodes away yet. But for now, let's listen to another new track from it. And this is probably my favourite of the album um, altogether. So this next track is called Crippled Tomorrow. And, uh, you know, I must warn you, it is six minutes long, so it might very well take us to the very end of the episode at this point. But that's okay. I'm sure you guys will enjoy it. And, uh, you know, normally I end up playing the title tracks of these albums, but I think this time around I'm going to do something a bit different. So this one is the 11th and penultimate track of the album called Crippled Tomorrow. And I'm only going to play 
maybe half of it, maybe all of it, we'll have to see. But this is a fantastic brand new track that I am definitely 100% sure you guys are going to cream yourselves over. So without further ado, give it a listen guys. And of course if you like this or anything even remotely close to this, please go to the infernalsymphonyuk.bandcamp.com website to check these songs out and plenty more besides.
So there we go, guys. That was Crippled Tomorrow from the upcoming new album, Laceration Coronation, out in June. So obviously that track is a little different to the last two we've showcased on the podcast episode today. Basically, uh, I wanted to give you this one just basically to give you a bit of an idea of the contrast present on this album. Some of the uh, rhythmic sensibilities and some of the the melody and some of the, the drumming proficiency present on it as well. Just to demonstrate that it isn't always... It doesn't always have to be a balls to the wall, all guns blazing, heavy metal fest all the time. Um, you know, as much as I'm capable of creating heavy uh, tracks with the uh, synthesizers, I'm also very much capable of also creating something a little bit more thoughtful, uh, a bit uh, more long form. And, uh, you know, it's really important to me to get a little bit of everything I'm, I'm capable of on this album, just to basically give it a, the most fully fleshed out and rounded experience possible. Um, so hopefully you guys appreciated that. Um, I do uh, occasionally uh, find myself being a fan of some of the more thoughtful and uh, slower types of tracks, so I thought it was worth me putting one on here for you. But uh, yeah, if you guys have liked anything that you've listened to today, be sure to check the rest of the discography out as well, because you're sure to find something you like. I do appreciate the sort of music that I create. It's obviously really only going to appeal to a very, very tiny minority of people. But uh, to be honest, you know, that's the way I like to do things, and that's the sort of thing you have to do these days to be able to kind of break into, uh, you know, the, the public consciousness at any uh, you know, in, a, in any way, because the, the, the music market is just that flooded with stuff at the moment, and a lot of it is quite mediocre. And hey, you know, if you're sitting there listening to this thinking that this is as well, then, you know, uh, more power to you, because that's your prerogative. And, you know, it's one of those things where you can't please everybody. All I can do is make the music that I enjoy. So, uh, so just before we finish off the episode, good and proper, it's uh, yeah, it's been a bit of a uh, kind of a, a, a backloaded episode this month because we had obviously the first half mostly just talking and uh, obviously me going over some of the uh, uh, controversy regarding Incinery from my earlier days. So, uh, you know, the first half was pretty much all talking. The second half's mostly just been nothing but, uh, you know, track after track. But, uh, you know, you guys know me by now. You know this podcast by now, surely. You know, I like to mix up the uh, the rotor and the schedule of it quite a lot. So, you know, I'm not really going to um, change anything like that now. So... You know, um, hopefully you guys have enjoyed the structure of the episode. If you have got any comments on it, be sure to let me know. You know the uh, the routes that you can go down to do that with by now. But uh, with us only having a few minutes remaining, I thought it was probably time to play you maybe just one final track from Faust before we call it a day for, for this week. And, uh, you know, if any of you guys also have tracks that you would love to hear as well, of course, obviously, you can go to the Bandcamp page. But if you'd like me to actually, spe- you know, specifically talk about any and play them on the show and give you my two thoughts about them. Or, 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 you know, at the very least, uh, give you a bit of the background behind any specific tracks that, you put, you know, maybe they're your personal favourite tracks. Maybe you want to know a little bit more about the, the uh, specific history of that particular track. Then, by all means, you know, guys, let me know. Um, this is uh, your podcast as much as it is mine, so... Uh, yeah, but uh, uh, anyway, let's get back into the swing of things before we end up overrunning by about half an hour. So uh, I think the last track from Faust, it's time to play for you guys today, is probably uh, something that I think most people have actually uh, kind of uh, forgotten exists really, um, including myself. Um, I actually only listened to this song again recently, uh, just the other day. So this is a- another song towards the end of the uh, album. I've noticed on the plays, actually, on the Bandcamp uh, uh, analytics, that uh, the majority of the albums I do, regardless of whether it's a single, you know, a normal album or whether it's a double 
double album. Uh, it seems as though it's really only the first four or five tracks that seem to get the majority of the plays. So whether that speaks for the quality of the music itself, which I, I, I pretty much very much highly doubt, or whether it just kind of speaks to the fact that people these days just don't really have the attention spans they used to. And, uh, you know, the fact that we're all listening to and consuming music digitally these days. Um, also coupled with the fact that there's so much competition out there now as well. It kind of, uh, for me, really just uh, shows you that, uh, you know, you really have to grab people right from the get-go. So this is the sort of thing I've tried to do throughout the whole of this album and most of my uh, albums over the past 12 months or so. So with that in mind, let's show you one of the shorter tracks on the album. It's definitely a very, very gripping track. And, uh, and this track is a track which I don't believe I've played on here before, which is called Order of Execution. Oh, so no, I have already played that one before. No, it, I remember it now. So, okay, so we'll play the track just before that, which is called Integrity Surrendered, which is basically the point that Faust surrenders his mortality and his uh, uh, mobility uh, and autonomy to Satan. Um, so here we go. This is Integrity Surrendered, and I think that about does it for today.
So that was here. Integrity Surrendered, taken from last year's Faust, came out 12 months ago, almost to the day, and that is obviously completely separate from next month's new album, uh, Laceration Coronation. And what a fitting track to round off the episode. So there we have it, guys. Thank you very much for uh, you know taking that into consideration. So, uh, unfortunately, guys, that does about wrap us up for today. So, I would just love to actually say thank you so much, guys, if you've managed to make it to the end of the episode. I've always had a brilliant time doing these podcasts, and that shows no signs of slowing down anytime soon. Uh, We will be back in another two weeks for the next episode, and basically, we're going to probably, uh, uh, obviously, of course, as usual, this could all change at a moment's notice, but the thinking at the moment is I'm going to be going a little bit more into detail about Faust and how I created that album possibly cease to exist as well maybe giving you another little taste of some of the songs from that particular album and how it relates to some of my previous ones and uh, you never know maybe I'll come up with some other interesting topics of discussion for you as well particularly I was thinking about because uh, basically um, I, with me having made Dungeon Synth for so long lately um, it has actually ended up unfortunately being the case that I haven't really dedicated all that much time to, to picking up or using my guitar lately so that got me on to thinking maybe it would be an interesting topic to talk about what you know, what happens when you get uninspired and uh, basically some of the things that can maybe cause you to maybe give up on music or at the very least, you know, uh, kind of, uh, you know, go off it temporarily, particularly for those that kind of create their own music. It is difficult sometimes, you know, actually finding the motivation to, to come up with something new if you're feeling a bit burnt out. So we'll be going over that sort of topic and how you can kind of... Uh, uh, obviously, I went over how to remain inspired a few months ago, but this is going to be something a little bit different and separate. It's more to do with, uh, you know, some of the reasons behind people becoming uninspired. So it's kind of the opposite thing. So we'll hopefully be going over something along those lines. I haven't quite figured it out yet, but nevertheless, guys, whatever happens, it's sure to be a fantastically interesting episode, just as this one was. So uh, with all that being said, thank you very much for listening, guys. I hope there were some interesting surprises in store for you this time around. And if you find those... um quite appealing and you want to listen to more be sure to check out the next episode coming up in a few weeks as well so uh, that's basically it from me guys so you guys have been amazing i've been demonic bishop this has been the infernal symphony pestilence podcast with an unprecedented episode 10 and i basically have nothing more to say now guys so i'm going to give my vocal cords a rest probably have a little bit of a drink and uh, leave it there for now so thank you very 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 much guys and we will see you very very soon